And welcome back to AR Tales, aka the ART Podcast. I am AR Mita Balan. Today, I am joined by Garrett Jones, the man behind GKJ Publishing, the man behind Esync Rain, a phenomenal book series we're about to get into, and also the podcast host of Storytellers. We're going to talk all about that and much more, but without any further ado, the man himself, Garrett, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm phenomenal. So diving right into it, how did it all just start for you? Were you a podcast person first, kind of just going into reading aspects and then aspired to writing? Were you writing and then ventured into the podcasting? Which was the chicken or the egg? Um, for me, the, the, well, I, it all started with the writing because that's, that's my, the thing I love to do. Um, I actually started off uh, creating a lot of these characters when I was in high school. Uh, I was a big fan of comic books and, um, I mean, I still am to this day, you know, years down the line, I'm still like, I just got a new graphic novel off of Amazon yesterday. So, um, I'm constantly reading this stuff and it's just, it's a, it's something I love to do. It's, it's my, one of my preferred genres. And so, uh, I figured, you know what, I wanted to be a comic book writer and creator. And I thought that that would be something I could do. Uh, I started designing this whole slew of characters from like middle school, all through high school. And, um, it got to the point where after I graduated high school, I realized that I couldn't draw to save my life. Um, I'm not that much of an artist. I'll draw, I'll doodle, and I I, I, I will constantly do something, but uh, I, I'm not good. I can't draw feet. Uh, I can't draw faces unless they're unless the character's wearing a helmet or some kind of mask. Um, well, then always draw hel- so, characters with helmets on. That's what that's what I tend to do. Uh, Power Rangers are really fun for me because just, it's just a helmet. Um, but the uh, yeah, so I I got into writing and I figured uh, instead of making it a modern day superhero story, I figured my characters would be better suited for medieval fantasy, hmm. and uh, I just started adapting them uh, about 22, 21 years ago. I was living in Japan at the time, and uh, great great heaps of uh, of inspiration while living there. Um, I was there for about a year, and then. Um, about a couple months before I came home, I started writing and I started developing the story and I had plans for just three books and, um, eventually it just kind of morphed and evolved and grew. And, um, I realized I had way more than, than three books on my hands. Uh, in fact, elements from the book that I'm developing right now and getting ready to put into publication, um, saw their original iteration 21 years ago um, in that first draft. Um, so there are things that I, I published in the first few books that were part of that original story, um, stuff that's coming out now that's that was part of that original story. So it's it's expanded, it's it's evolved. The um, stuff with YouTube and uh, and my podcasting, that all came about just over the last few years. Uh, it's kind of a natural progression of trying to put myself out there. Um, I I was doing blogs on my website and I I wasn't getting a whole lot of traction with that. And I I so I did a video one time and it that got a lot of traction. I'm like, you know what? I'll just do videos from now on. Mm-hmm. And so I I set up a, a YouTube channel 
and I started doing it. And at first, the YouTube channel was all about um, promoting my books and, and talking about the events that I was going to be doing and what I had coming out. And eventually, it just kind of organically became something else. And now I do top 10 book recommendations. I do author interviews with other authors. Um, I do uh, creative writing tips. And then the uh, Storytellers podcast, that actually kind of evolved out of uh, kind of out of frustration. Like the very first season was called Writing Is. Um, and that was, it was, a res- it was kind of a response to, um, to something my brother had said to me. Uh, he tried to tell me that being a writer is not really a job. Um, and, you know, this was during a time when he was working as a, as a uh, personal trainer. And so, you know, my response to him was, dude, you're a glorified gym rat. You wear shorts to work, which I don't have a problem with people who wear shorts to work. But, you know, it's like you have no idea just how challenging being a writer is. It's very hard work, Um, even just to work, you know, write, you know, three to five hundred words per day can be a challenge challenge, for anybody who's ever tried it. And so um, the Storytellers podcast came out of out of that. And so I spent that first season breaking down what, you know, my idea of what writing is. Um, and I used gardening as kind of the metaphor. And then the second season talked about, um, you know, the dangers of being a writer. It's, it, it's, it's very dangerous work, not in the fact that you can, I mean, well, some parts of the world, yes, you could literally lose your life. Um, but other in, in another sense, it's it's very makes you vulnerable, uh, leaves you open to a lot of um, criticism and judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I told people when I tell people I'm a writer, their first response is, "Oh, okay, good for you." Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's once they start getting into understanding what that means, then they're a little bit more supportive. Um, but then uh, the, the going into the third season, the third season really kind of launched during the pandemic and um i decided you know what how cool would it be to have uh audiobook style recordings of short stories and poems and segments from other books and i met a lot of really cool authors doing that mm-hmm. um and so like i would record i would do a little bit of an intro i would record whatever they submitted to me as as an audio recording kind of similar to an audiobook or a radio drama or something like that and then um, they, and then I would interview them if they're open to it. The fourth season was actually used as kind of a uh, catharsis for me because my grandmother died right at the tail end of 2020, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. so we didn't get to have a, a funeral for her right away. In fact, we didn't have one until this past June, so 18 months after she had passed away. Uh, so I used that fourth season of storytellers as an opportunity to uh, go through the grieving process. And it was actually, I, I want to say, some of my best work as a podcaster, because um, a lot of people commented that they were able to, to um, they were able to sympathize, sympathize and empathize with it because they've probably been there to some extent, too. My God. And do you feel like the situation with your grandma that I had any influence on your writing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, not that it had a negative impact. My grandmother was always really, really supportive. In fact, she, uh, she, I gave her a copy of my first book and bless her heart. She tried to read it. English was not her first language. And so, uh, she, 
she tried to read it and she i mean she got maybe about a third of the way through i think um and so she you know but she was always very supportive and so um so when she passed i wanted to do something that would honor her so the book that i've got coming out you know soon for the next book in in the series uh it's dedicated to her um uh in in her memory and um like i said the whole fourth season of storytellers um what it, it was all about talking about my experiences and my memories and uh growing up and and having her be a part of my life uh one of my, one or two of my cousins got involved and and you know shared some of his thoughts and his memories which was great um but the you know, it was, it was more, like I said, just a, an opportunity to get through that grieving process and to celebrate her life without, you know, breaking down and just completely, you know, losing it. My God, I can only imagine the type of like a uh, impact that would have on your character development and just everything. I mean, one thing that you, that caught my eye immediately was the way that you developed your characters all throughout high school. So you develop characters before developing a world around them. You were just fascinated on character development, like what makes a person tick. Can you t talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of develop characters in the world simultaneously. Um, wow. Characters are, 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 you know, people are a product of, of their environment just as much as the environment is impacted by, by people. And so, uh, I, I really like to get into the psychology and, and the, the background of my characters and kind of find what makes them what makes them tick, but also to see how they interact with the world around them. Um, so there's a character in book one. His name is Asher. Uh, and Asher is one of the heroes of book one, and he becomes the, the central character of book three. And uh this is a character that was you know he's he was orphaned he was raised as a um he was raised at a monastery uh from a very young age and um while he has developed you know he, he's he's learned from the monks that he 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 works around and has been raised with um he gets he his personality towards them is really harsh like um, a couple of them did not like him. They thought he was some kind of unholy creature. Um, and so they, and what, and it has to do with part of his, part of his past that he doesn't even know about. Um, and so when, but because he was refusing to um, convert to their religion, they took it upon themselves to force him. And so they basically, they strapped him to a, they didn't nail him or anything, but they, they tied him to a crucifix and they tortured him uh, overnight until the, the high priest at the monastery showed up and is like, what the heck are you guys doing? Smacked him around and, and drove him off. Um, and so so he's so part of his environment while he grew up in this environment, you know, he's very much familiar with it. He likes being in the library. He likes to read. Um, you know, he's he's very much a homebody. But at the same time, he wants out. He wants to go and explore. He wants to uh, visit the rest of the world. And there's kind of this hardness in his heart about um, you know, faith matters. But then um, over the course of the story, his entire perspective changes because uh, 
the he turned come to find out he is part of the celestial race that that religion actually worships and he had no idea so um so hmm. in part he's a he's impacted by the environment and where he's raised but he also himself has an impact on that environment that's phenomenal and how especially the the wanderlust that comes from the character do you think that you did that come from you did that come from a person that you know or a close friend um it's some of it comes from me because the uh, that character asher and there's another character in in the uh, book one his name's gavin both of them were um both of them were based off of myself mm. to some extent um but in the initial design of the the initial writing the characters were so similar i had to give them something else to kind of differentiate um and so there are some some tweaks to their personalities uh here and there and um and i think they got fleshed out a little bit better than what i had initially intended i had some great feedback from some people that were that were helping me uh develop the editing and uh, so I, but some of that wanderlust does, yeah, it does come from me because I do, I do enjoy travel. Uh, I hate flying, um, ironically enough, but, uh, I do enjoy traveling. I do in, enjoy going places. Um, it just, I have to be really in the mood to do it. <laughs> I actually love flying. Um, I don't know why I'm the one weirdo. It's not a bad, it's not too bad of an experience, honestly. I always feel like it adds anything. It, most of the time it's not. The last time I flew anywhere was 2019. I flew to Hawaii and it's only five hours from, from LA to, 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 uh, Kauai. But the entire time I'm sitting there, you know, I'm, I was working on book five, actually, I was writing and developing the story, uh, for this next book. And all of a sudden my, my Apple watch beeps at me and I look at the face and it says, your heart rate's sitting at a resting 120. Are you having a heart attack? And I'm like, what? No, I'm just panicking. <laughs> oh, I, I get super anxious on flights. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't. It's kind of a control thing. Um, and so yeah, I uh, I don't fly well. I don't travel well. But you put me on a train. You put me on a bus. You put me in a car. I'm fine. I'll, I'll crash out. I'll relax. I'm great. Um, it's just, I, I don't sleep on, I don't relax on planes ever. Uh, I've done the flight from London, uh, from LAX to London Heathrow twice. It's an 11 and a half hour flight. And yeah. I just, I'm, I'm awake the entire time. Wow. Wait, LA to LA, uh, LAX to Heathrow is 11 hours. 11 and a half hours, depending on whether or not you've got a tailwind. Yeah, that's not, that's not too bad. I've done I've done Boston to Heathrow, which is like seven hours, but depending on the air, like the how you can travel, it can easily be around like twelve if you have like layovers and whatnot. Oh yeah, I've done the layover bit. It's not a, it's not a fun, it's not the best ride. I definitely prefer like the six, just take a nap, watch a couple movies. Um, but the thing about travel really sparked my ears because it immediately made me think of something we were talking about right before we hit record, which was the whole thing that you developed mm -hmm. your own language. So I feel that there has to be a part of like wanderlust and liking to travel for that to happen. So how did that come to be? How did you get into the whole idea? How did you go token on us? <laughs> um, I, I like languages. I've studied a lot of them um, uh, just through just going to school and stuff like that. So um, in, 
my first exposure to other languages actually comes from my grandmother's. My grandmother was from Italy, came here after World War II. And so my initial exposure to other languages other than English was Italian. Uh, my dad is, for the most part, pretty fluent. Um, my mom understands, doesn't speak as well. Um, but so that was that was part of how I grew up. So I grew up hearing words and phrases uh, in Italian mixed alongside English. Um, and eventually what came about is as I was getting into high school, um, I knew I had to take, I was required to take foreign language. Uh, and unfortunately, the only thing that they offered at the time was Spanish. I wasn't, I was kind of being a bit of a rebellious uh, teenager. And my mom really didn't help with that because, uh, you know, she, she wanted, she suggested that the high school put together other programs as well, because the only thing that they offered other than Spanish was sign language. And uh, there weren't a whole lot of options. And she threatened to send me to the university for foreigners in Perugia, Italy uh, for a year, which would have been, which the language equivalent would have been like two and a half to three years worth of language credit for high school. Oh, you um, that. And I, I almost tempt, I was almost tempted to, and my, my, uh, but eventually what ended up happening is they, as a response to my mom harassing the school, they started a French program. And so I took French for two years in high school. Um, I did really well with it. Um, and then shortly after I graduated is when I did my year abroad in Japan. So going from learning little bits of Italian and, and then learning two years of French uh, to jumping into trying to learn Japanese is a huge shift because that language is nothing close to anything Latin-based. No way. Um, and so, I mean, because you're you're aside from the speaking, you're learning like four or five different writing styles simultaneously um, because they're all used in in, uh, in a mix. And then um, I was having to learn culture and stuff like that. And their whole school year structure is different from ours here in in the United States because we start in August or September with the beginning of our academic year. They start in the middle of March. Um, and it's, it's just, it's insane. So like, I actually showed up in the middle of a school year, uh, when I was there, cause I showed up at, in August. And, um, so I showed up as a second year student, um, learning. And then, um, by the time I came home, I was in the middle of my third year, uh, at the school I was attending. So I graduated here. I was doing Japanese, you know, and, and participating in a Japanese high school over there. Um, and then uh, in college, because again, options were limited, uh, I took Spanish. At this point, I decided, you know what? I actually need to take Spanish. Um, I'm a little bit older. I'm a little bit more mature. Uh, Spanish is a prominent language in California. It would make mm. sense to have something like that under my belt. And Spanish and Italian are so similar that I was actually able to grab a hold of it pretty well because shortly after that second semester, I went and visited family in Italy with my fam with my parents. Um, and so I was able to quickly convert some of the Spanish that I had learned into Italian. Mm. Um, wine mm. helped. Um, <laughs> but then, um, but then uh, several years after that, 
um, when I was working on a master's degree, I was required part of the part of it required me to do a couple of foreign languages um, because because it was a it was a Bible degree. Mm. And uh, when you're studying for something like that, you're required to take um, Old Testament Hebrew and New Testament Greek. Um, and while I had been learning Greek on my own, uh, the Hebrew was harder to come by. So I, I took a semester of Old Testament Hebrew. I'm still able to read it fairly well. Um, I get a little confused with some of the vowel markers, but um, yeah, I've, so at this point I've studied French, Italian, some German, um, uh, Hebrew, Japanese, Greek. Uh, and so what I, I've, I've taken that love for languages and trying to understand them uh and i've incorporated them into what i've done with my writing so like the uh, the elves in my series their language is based on uh french and italian it's just this kind of this this merger of the two languages hmm. so what i'll do is I'll, I'll put together a phrase uh and, and translate it in google translate in both languages and then i'll just kind of mix accent marks and, and letters to where it works um, the dwarves were based on German. Uh, the there's another country uh, that is that I have in, in my series called Ronso, and their language is based on Greek and a blend of Greek and Japanese. Um, in in fact, I use elements from both of those cultures as far as like the aesthetic, in the costuming, in the architecture, in the culture. Wow. Um, you wouldn't think that they that, that they would blend well, but they actually do surprisingly. Um, and then, um, like, you know, I, I take a practical approach. So like, um, so like dragons and elves and vampires and humans are all very much interconnected in my series. And, um, and, uh, so the language that is spoken by vampires in my series is based on Castilian Spanish because, uh, they have that kind of lisping sound mm -hmm. or that lisping quality. As the tongue presses against the teeth and i figured these are characters with fangs of course they're going to have that kind of a quality in their language uh so i use that as as the basis um and it's been fun because then i can come up with these words of, and you see some crossover between like elf language and vampires or elf language and you know humans and it's 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 really kind of fun so without getting into any spoilers because the book series is out now all the info will be in the description and the bio and the banisters underneath the when you're watching on YouTube. So make sure to buy it now. I'm on Amazon. Worth the read. I mean, just the world, the world building, all the characters, the different languages. It's so much to consume. And what number are you on now? You said you were working on book five. So where is the book series number at? Current. So right now, right now, there's four books in the series. Um, the the first is called The Heirs of Menonias, um, and it kind of gets the ball rolling with this whole series. Uh, Menonias was this warlord. He was the first half-elf, um, half-human, half-elf, and he tried to eradicate the dragons. Uh, comes really, really close before he is he's put down. And so the rest, of the, so the prologue kind of gives you um his downfall and then the rest of the book picks up in you know 250 years after that um and so you're introduced uh to uh the characters that are going to be the heroes for the, the series or part of the series 
uh, as well as uh, antagonists who are uh, going to be popping up. And so I don't I don't like to do one and done as far as like villains that seems to work really well for movies or for TV shows. I don't like that. Um, I because my background is in reading comic books and com- and graphic novels. Um, I want to have kind of this situation where something might get introduced in, in book one, but you're not going to see it pop up again until book two mm. or book. Three. It layers these seeds of of anticipation and in foreshadowing. That way you can see something coming up down the line. You're like, oh, that's where that connects. Okay, cool. Um, and so, uh, so the heirs of Menonias are simply trying to, they're trying to rekindle their father's uh, legacy. And, um, and then the books progress from there. So book two, which is called The Destiny of Dragons, picks up literally right where book one leaves off, uh, some of the same dialogue. And then book two and three overlap. So book two uh, uh, starts off like right where book one ends. And then uh, book three uh, happens concurrently with book two. So there are different, there there are scenes that pop up in both books shown from different perspectives, same dialogue, same characters, but you're seeing it from a different angle. Um, And then book four, uh, which is called the, uh, which is called Hadrian Corvus of Farfell, uh, it takes one of the secondary characters that's introduced in book two and makes him a, uh, a prominent uh, protagonist. Um, and that one's a lot of fun because it actually takes place outside of the five kingdoms, which is what Isink Rand means. Um, it takes place on this island province and deals with a lot of, uh, he, he basically he's demon hunting the entire time. Uh, doesn't realize it at first, but he's demon hunting. Um, and so it, part of it explores his own history and his background. Part of it explores the, um, the celestial uh, race that Asher's a part of and some of their history with human, uh, humanity. Um, and then it, it just, ex- the whole point of book four is it expands the world a little bit more, um, because you start realizing, I mean, there's references to other countries and other places um, but as each book pops up, I wanted to explore the world and get a little bit more of what that world looks like. And then, so like with book five, while book five does take place in, mostly in the five kingdoms, um, part about a third of it takes place in another country called Ronso, which I, I've mentioned uh, earlier. And uh, and so we actually get to see that that uh, empire we could see what their countryside looks like and uh, what the landscape is like the architecture um, we get to see the, the culture and the language a lot more um, and just how vast it is um, but then there's another region that is that is talked about in the first four books that is explored in book five called the Frostlands, and it's basically this huge arctic wilderness north of where the elves live and uh, and so we get to see that on full display in this book as well. My God, this is more in depth than Game of Thrones, especially when you consider all the different languages being spoken to. I mean, it, it is insane, like how you even were able to compress all that into a story. But it's there, folks. You need to get it. If this is anywhere near your vibe, fantasy vibe, if you even kind of like Game of Thrones, get on this book series now. I am just floored. This is amazing. Well, unfortunately, near the end of the podcast, 
episode now. So I want to go ahead and turn it over to you. Is there anything that you want to shout out? Any things that you haven't given light to that you want to before we cut out this visit time? Um, yeah. So uh, right now there's a sale going on on my website. So if you go to archives of the five kingdoms.com, uh, you can, uh, there's a, a little uh, bumper that pops up as soon as you land and it gives you a code for a, uh, for 15% off of your purchase. So if you go onto my website, you purchase the books directly from me, uh, you'll get 15% off of your total purchase. Uh, books usually run about $15 a piece. Um, so for four books, that's, you know, 60 bucks, $15 off is a little over five, five and a half dollars, something like that. Uh, so, uh, it's definitely worth doing. Um, you're also helping a great, uh, uh you know, also helping an indie author, uh, you know, make some income. Hmm. Um, but if, you know, Amazon's more your speed, you know, you can order from them as well. Um, just the code won't work for them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, uh, but I'm also a part of another podcast called War of the Stars. I'm a big Star Wars fan, and this is a Star Wars podcast. And so this coming Monday, the 19th of December, we are going to be doing our last episode for the year. Uh, we're going to be taking a break for the holidays, but what we're going to be doing is we're going to be live streaming as much as we can with the uh, the Star Wars holiday special. Um, hopefully we don't get uh, demonetized or, or um, flagged on YouTube with that, but we have a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool episodes. We just did an episode on uh, this last week uh, where we were talking about our top five characters from the expanded universe that we want to port over to the Disney Star Wars. Revan, without a doubt. Well, as far as I can, it goes oh, anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars. I was in the, I even played like the MMO for a while, but my God, folks, you need to hop on this now Everything that he just talked about will also be in the links in the bios if you didn't catch any of that. And rewind it. Just do whatever you can to support and hop on and listen to the podcast, watch the vodcast, and above all, buy the books. And like you said, 50% on the website. That's not too bad. That's not too bad at all. I can save 15 bucks on anything. 15% on anything, I'll take it. So make sure to go ahead, hop on, do what you can. Support an indie author, just like you said. And that is it, folks. We will be back next week with another creative, another author, another artist, and we're going to be talking about what we love. Until then, peace out. Peace out.